0: If you've got a Bible, go ahead and open it up to Exodus chapter 35. That's where we will begin together today. Now, many of you know, this might be new information for some of you. I'm having back surgery on Wednesday. Um, they're fusing together some some stuff and, and all that fun things, and, and hopefully it'll take all this pain away that's going down my legs and, and my back and all the fun things that are happening. So that's happening on Wednesday, and I appreciate all your prayers and thoughts and and everything that's come our way so far, and and I'm just so grateful for for my church family and, and what you guys mean to me in that. Two, let's see, two weeks ago, I had a pre-admissions test. Now, pre-admission tests for surgery, like I'm going through, they ask you all kinds of questions, and they prod, and they poke, and they take blood, and all the things that everybody hates about going to the doctor, they did, right? And it was all for a very good reason. Because they want to just make sure that I'm prepared, that I'm ready, that my body can handle the surgery that I'm going to take, that I'm going to have on Wednesday. And, and not only that, they just didn't want to throw any surprises to my doctor and nurses and all those types of things. They don't want to dig into me and start going, okay, wait a second, something's weird happening. So all of that for to make sure that I'm ready. Health checks are really important, Health checks help us recognize, hey, there's something going on in our bodies, and we need to fix it and treat it before it gets out of hand. And many people have these on a yearly basis or maybe even more often than that. Now, physical health checks are, are great, but have we ever thought about a spiritual health check? I don't think a lot of us think on a daily basis, what's, what's my spiritual health like? Where's my heart? How how are things going? See, spiritual health checks are just as important, maybe even more important than physical health checks. But there's a difficulty about a spiritual health check. And that difficulty is that check is done by us. See, we have to be willing to come before God with an open heart and open hands and say, God, here I am. Look into my heart. Here is what I have to offer. Here is what is going on. See, when the Bible talks about the heart, most of the times it's not talking about the physical heart, but it's talking about our spiritual life, really who we are. See, the, the heart is the throne of our thoughts. The heart is the throne of our emotions. The heart is the throne of our desires. The heart is really where all of our actions begin. So when we decide to do something, that all begins in the heart. Now, my children, both of them are not here, so I can speak openly about them, right? Um, My children, uh, when they get in trouble, even when they do good things, um, Jamie and I's conversation with them is, you know what, that's a heart issue. Right, You you acted this way because of what's going on in your heart. And we've gotten to the point with our children that we sit down with them, and before it even comes out of our mouth, they go, I know, it's a heart issue. And we go, yeah, you're right, but now let's dig a little bit deeper and find out why it's the heart issue, right? So the one thing that we must know before we get started this morning is that today's heart issues that we're going to look at in depth are ones where we are trespassing on enemy territory. And because of that, I want to start out with prayer and and ask the Lord to be with us. So if you would, bow your heads with us. Father, this morning, uh, we come before you. And Lord, I pray like just as we sang that we can all say, Lord, I am yours. Take my life and let it be consecrated for you. But this morning, as we enter enemy lines, Lord I pray that you would guide us by your word. I pray that as we check the health of our hearts that we would all allow the principles of your word to penetrate our innermost being. Knowing that your word is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword, knowing that it penetrates even to the dividing of soul and spirit, joints and marrow. Knowing it judges the thoughts and attitudes Of our heart. So, Lord, this morning, to the degree that my words stand up under the scrutiny of your word, let them be taken seriously as we put ourselves through a spiritual health check, all for your glory and your glory alone. And it's Christ's name that we pray. And everybody said, Amen. So if you remember back in Exodus 25, Moses received instructions on, from God on what the tabernacle should look like. These were instructions on every item and everything that was supposed to take place within the tabernacle. And now as we look at Exodus chapter 35, we're going to see that Moses gives these detailed instructions to the people of Israel to then put into action. To take what God has commanded and to begin to build the tabernacle, designing each part exactly as God has commanded. Now, I'm not going to read all five chapters that were assigned today because most of it is a repeat of chapters 25, 26, 27 of this is what the tabernacle is going to look like. So we're not going to go there today, but we're going to dive in. We're going to see what the Lord has for us this morning. So with me, read chapter 35, 1 through 10, and then we're going to jump to 20. Through 22. So it says this Moses assembled all of the congregation of the people of Israel and said to them, These are the things that the Lord has commanded you to do. Six days' work shall be done, but on the seventh day you shall have a Sabbath of solemn rest, holy to the Lord. Whoever does any work on it shall be put to death. You shall kindle no fire in all of your dwelling places on the Sabbath day. Moses said to all the congregation of the people of Israel, this is the thing that the Lord has commanded. Take from among you a contribution to the Lord. Whoever is of a generous heart... Let him bring the Lord's contribution, gold, silver, bronze, blue and purple, and scarlet yarns, and fine twine linens, goat's hairs, tanned ram skins, goat skins, acacia wood, oil for the light, spices for the anointing oil, and for the fragrant incense, and onyx stones, and stones for setting, for the ephod, and for the breastplate. Let every skillful craftsman among you come and make all that the Lord has commanded. Verse 20. Then all of the congregation of the people of Israel departed from the presence of Moses, and they came, everyone whose heart stirred him, and everyone whose spirit moved him, and brought the Lord's contribution to be used for the tent of meeting, and all and, and for all its services and for the holy garments. So they came, both men and women, all who were of a willing heart brought brooches and earrings and signet rings and armlets. All sorts of gold objects, every man an offering of gold to the Lord." So let's review really quickly. What has the Lord done already for the people of Israel? Well, He's brought them out of Egypt. We know that. He has provided for them food and water. He's been gracious towards the people. How's He been gracious? Well, remember in, in chapter 32, the people took the gold, which was meant, which was the gifts of God, meant for the glory of God, and they did what with it? They made a false God, they made a golden calf. And, and, and so, therefore, they sinned against God. But God was merciful, and he extended grace, and he forgave their sins. And now in chapter 35 through 39, the people have a mission. They have a purpose, and their purpose is to build the temple, a place where God's presence is going to dwell with the people. And this is really exciting news for the Israelites. But now remember, we're trespassing on enemy territory, right? And this is why. It's because the mission requires the people's time and treasures and talents. And this place in which we are trespassing is really where the devil works best. Because he's trying to get us to focus on our time, our talents, our treasures, right? Right? He wants us to prioritize those things for us instead of for the kingdom of God. He wants us to say, it's my time. It's my treasure. It's my talent. I can do with it whatever I want. And that's the lie he wants our hearts to believe. And let me just say, it's an argument that you might have in the pew this morning with yourself as you do your health check. So let's start verses one through three. Moses assembled all of the congregation of the people of Israel and said to them, these are the things that the Lord has commanded you to do. Six days work shall be done, but on the seventh day, you shall have a Sabbath of solemn rest, holy to the Lord. Whoever, uh, uh, whoever does any work on it shall be put to death and you shall kindle no fire in all of your dwelling places on the Sabbath day. So before starting the work, Moses focused on the Sabbath. So how important is the Sabbath? Well, this is the fourth time that it's been mentioned in the book of Exodus. It's it's a reminder that God has given us the gift of time and that we need to steward it wisely. In verses 1 and 2, we're we're given a reminder of the creation uh, ordinance, that there are six days of work and then a seventh day of rest. But it's not just rest. It's not just kick up your feet and don't do work. No, this is a solemn day. This is a, a day of rest set apart for the Lord. This is a day that's supposed to be holy for the Lord. See, Moses knew the zeal that the Israelites would have to build the tabernacle. They were ready. They wanted God's presence to be with them at all times. And, and so they knew Moses knew, hey, you guys are going to be super excited, but we need to remind ourselves of a Sabbath rest, a day in order to look to God. And so Moses even goes as far as says, don't even kindle a fire. Now, some scholars will say that this means don't worry about food or heating or don't kindle a fire to make anything. Where other scholars will say, this is don't bring a work home with you. So all that tabernacle work that you're doing, don't bring that home and start a fire to make all of these things. No, rest in the Lord. And if it's the latter thing, then maybe many of us, need to consider what the Lord is saying about Sabbath rest and trusting him that we will have time to get all the work done, knowing that he will provide those things, set a time aside to be with the Lord. Moses reinforces these instructions by uh, adding a, a threat of capital punishment. Anyone who violates it will be put to death. So let's look at our first spiritual health check this morning. Where do we give your time? Where do you give your time? What we are fed day in and day out is that who we are, where our identity is found, is based on our achievements. And our achievements are then what gives us significance, so each day we work at becoming better at what we do, gaining more stuff, hoping that we are accepted by others around us. So, why is the Sabbath so important, even for us? Because on this day of rest, on this day set apart for the Lord, we learn that we are accepted. We're accepted not because of what we have done or even what we have, but because of what God has done and what God has done for us. See, on this day of rest, I'm reminded that I am his. On this day set aside for the Lord, I'm reminded that before I can do anything good, the Lord is pleased with me. See, the holy day that's set aside for the Lord is where I find my strength through prayer and through hearing the word of the Lord and through worshiping and through spending time with my church and my body of believers who love Christ like I do. This day set aside, I find strength. This day set aside, I figure out really who I am and why I'm here. See, because God shows me my purpose when I set days aside for him. And then I'm able to see all that the Lord is teaching me and all that the Lord is showing me. And I'm able to learn from him. And I'm able to learn to give it away and bless others and use what the Lord is doing in my life to live for others. See, on this Sabbath day, I'm reminded To love the Lord my God with all my heart, with all my soul, and with all my strength. And he reminds me of all those great things. And then he reminds me and live for others. Love others as I've loved myself. So let's check our pulse this morning, right? Where do you give your time? Think about it. Just you there in the pew. We give our time to a lot of things. And what we give our time to really reflects what we value. If you think about it, we say, we say a term or a phrase a lot that says, I don't have time for that. But that's not really true. What you're saying is, I don't value my time for that. So the most, most of the things that we give our time to really aren't bad things. right? Family time is good. Sports and activities are good. Work is good. But it's when those things become more valuable than my time with the Lord, when those things take away my day of rest that should be set aside for the Lord, then we become unhealthy. And maybe we should go as far as Moses and take those things that steal our time from the Lord and put them to death. So just one final thought on this. Um, if we don't learn to rest in the Lord, we will eventually destroy ourselves, which is exactly what the devil wants, what the enemy wants. We won't put ourselves to death, but we'll work ourselves to death. And I had a pastor once who was sitting in this service, last service, (laughs) tell me that we're all going to be replaced, right? Right? We're all going to be replaced. Someone one day will fill my spot. So the most important time I have is the time that I have with the one I will spend eternity with, who is God. Now, parents, grandparents, aunts, uncles, any anybody that has little ones underneath you, right? Our kids, our grandkids our nieces, our nephews, can become the greatest athlete ever. They can become the highest achieving individual on the earth. But the most important thing that we can give them is an example of our time set apart for the Lord. So hold on to that and give those below you, under you, that example of how important the Lord is to you. Now let's, let's move on. Next spiritual test it's kind of my least favorite when it comes to a doctor's visit. It's the needle, right? When you get a poke or you got to get blood or whatever else. My, my bruise just healed the other day. Um, it's my least favorite. Nobody wants to see a needle at the doctor's office. So let's read verse 4. Moses said to all the congregation of the people of Israel, this is the thing that the Lord has commanded. Take from among you a contribution to the Lord. Whoever is of a generous heart, let him bring the Lord's contribution, gold, silver, bronze, blue, purple, scarlet yarns, and fine twined linens, and all of those other things. Bring those as an offering or a contribution to the Lord. Now, when I said that our time is a reflection of what our heart values, the same can be said about our money and our stuff. Okay, and this second heart issue is what do you do with your treasure? Now, let's remember, where did the Israelites receive all of this gold and all of this stuff? Do you remember? They received it from the Egyptians. We saw that back in chapter 12, verses 35 and 36. I'm going to read it. It says, for they had asked the Egyptians for silver and gold, jewelry and for clothing. And the Lord Look at this. Lord had given them, given the people favor in this side of the Egyptians so that they let them have what they asked for. Now, the first thing that we've got to wrap our minds around when it comes to our money and our stuff is is basically what Elder Y. Lee was, was telling us this morning. That when it comes to what we have, everything is a gift from God. And we see that in verse 36 of chapter 12. The Lord had given the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians. Romans chapter 11, verse 36, 36 says, For from him and through him and to him are all things. Everything that we have is from God. All right, here we go, crowd participation. Everybody take a deep breath, blow it out. It's from God. Every breath we take is from the Lord. Every day that we wake up is from God. The talents that he gives us to do our jobs are a gift from God. The money that we earn and receive from our job is from him. So everything is from who? God. Everything's from God. Now, we are to steward everything that we have in a way that glorifies God. See, everything is a gift from God meant for the glory of God and we're to use it that way. So look at verse five with me. Take from among you a contribution to the Lord. Whoever is of a generous heart, let him bring the Lord's contribution. Once again, we see it's a heart issue. Our contribution to the Lord reveals who our God is. Is our God a big God who can control and take care of everything in our lives? Who can give us peace? Is is that our God, or is our God a God who we can't count on? And He's so small that we just don't even recognize Him. See, there are so many verses throughout Scripture that encourage us to trust in the Lord, to trust God with everything. Now, please hear me where I'm about to go. This is not a, a, a prosperity gospel. Okay, where, where if you give, then God's going to bless you double, that he's going to double down and, and, and fill your storehouses with all kinds of stuff. That's not what we're talking about here. But in the book of Malachi, God commands us to bring the full tithe to him in chapters 3, starting in verse 10. And then he says that he will open the windows of heaven and pour down Blessings. Now, that doesn't mean that, you know, you give this morning that you, when you arrive home, a Tesla is going to be in your driveway, okay? That doesn't, it doesn't mean that, or that he's going to double your salary or give you more stuff. No, blessing comes from trusting him. That blessing is recognizing that God's in control, that God has everything in his hands. He's got the whole world in his hands, and he knows exactly where you are, so he gives us peace. And that blessing is we can know that he sees us and that he knows us and that he is with us and that he's walking with us. So the text says, whoever is of a generous heart. So what God wants from us is that our hearts would be generous with what he has provided for us. See, we can all think in our minds that, well, the Egyptians had it easy. They just got that stuff. They didn't earn it or anything. It was just there to just to give away. God has blessed us with everything to be generous with, with everybody around us. But generosity comes with a changed heart. A heart that recognizes all that God has done. A heart that knows his grace and his mercy. A heart that knows that everything has been given by him. Now, at this moment, the Israelites understood this. They got it. They trusted God and they gave so much that Moses had to ask the people in chapter 36 to stop giving. Now, wouldn't this be amazing? Pastor Derek walks up here one Sunday. And he says, blue Valley, stop giving, right? We've got too much. I need you to stop giving. That's what Moses did. They had too much stuff and they were, because they were generous, had a generous heart. So, let's think through some spiritual health questions and let's ask of ourselves. Do you see your money and possessions as a gift from God? Or is it simply as a result of your hard work? Are you generous towards God? How do we put this into practice? Well, the practice of trusting God is a discipline called tithing. See, if you've never tithed before, if you've never given to the church on a regular basis, I I pray and I hope that you would start this practice, not so that the church would have more, but for you. See, tithing is a discipline that allows us to practice our trust in God. If if giving a tenth of your income is difficult, I totally understand. Start somewhere. Somewhere. Start somewhere by going, God, I trust you. I trust you with what you have blessed me with. When Jamie and I started practicing this discipline of tithing, uh, we made $500 a month, all right? Our rent was $500 a month. And then Jamie got a little bit better job and helped us out. But then we, when I would write that $50 check, I'd go, here, God, and, and I would say, okay, here you go. And Jamie would go, God's going to provide. I have to hear that all the time, that God is going to provide. If you've been to a Colorado mission trip, you'll hear people say it to me all the time. God's going to provide. If you've been on the Indian mission trip, God's going to provide, right? He's going to provide. Some of us just need to listen to that a little bit more often. For those of you who have already practiced tithing, you already practiced giving. Maybe it's time to live more generously, to live more radical, to have a radical heart. Now, it doesn't make sense to the world around us, but we're not living for the world. We're living for eternity. In, in a book called, uh, titled Money, Possessions, and Eternity, there's a testimony about a man that was trying to figure out how much should I give over my tithe? And this is what it says. It says, he decided to give at least as much as his house payment. Saying that if I can't afford to give that much, then I can't afford to live in a house this nice either. Now, that might not be you. I, I understand that. But in giving generously, I pray that we would all just look to the Lord and say, God, how do you want us to live? How can I have a generous heart towards you? And talk to him about it. And seek Him and ask Him. And then when He speaks to you, trust Him. Trust Him completely. Now, if hearing this is like sticking a needle in your arm, okay, I I totally understand. I am there with you, okay? This is what I need you to do. Go find that book, Money, Possessions, and Eternity by Randy Alcorn and, and read that book. It is, it is such a challenging book, challenging in the way that it causes me to trust the Lord. It causes me to look up and go, God, I trust you completely. And so, so grab that book. Our library, I don't think has it yet, but it's coming, or come find me. You can have my copy that's on my desk. i happy, happy, happy to give that to you. So what we have seen so far are two checks, two ways that we can, two tools that we can uh, use to help us uh, check our spiritual heart, check where we're at. Doctors have tools to help them listen and see into our life and see into the parts of our body to give us a physical check. You know what? There's two tools that we have as well. One is our calendar, and the second is our bank account. Okay, so we can look at those two things and go, okay, God, where do I put my life and my time? What do I value? Check those two tools out to really look into the depths of your heart and see what the Lord is uh, helping you diagnose of your spiritual health. Now, if this is your first time at Blue Valley... Um, we don't talk about money all the time. Okay. So don't, please don't think, man, I come into this church and all they do is talk about money, right? That's not us, but allow the Lord to speak to your heart and, and see what he has for you this morning. And, and, and trust me, come back next week. It's going to be awesome. And God's going to do amazing work here once again on a Sunday morning. Um, let's keep going. Third check and final check is where do you give your talent uh, verse 10, let every skillful craftsman among you come and make all that the Lord has commanded the tabernacle, its tents and its coverings, its hooks, its frames, its bars, its pillars, and the bases, the ark and the pole poles and the mercy seat and all of its utensils. Not just that, verse 25, every skillful woman spun with her hands and, the, and uh, they, they brought what they had spun in blue and purple and scarlet yarns and fine twine linens, all the women whose hearts stirred them to use their skill. How are we using the talents and the abilities that God has given us? And how we use them shows something about our hearts, shows who we trust completely. Now the question is, is am I using my talents for me? Am I using my talents and my gifts and my passions and my skills so that people will look to me and glorify me? Or am I using them so that people will see God and glorify me? Him. See, God has given each one of us talents and abilities and skills and passions to use for his glory and not ours. So where do you use your talents? Once again, it's a heart issue. Chapter 36, uh, verse 2, everyone whose heart stirred him up to come to do the work. See, the Israelites had a great mission, but we are called to a great mission as well here at Blue Valley to proclaim the gospel of Christ to everyone, everywhere. So what's your part in this mission? Where are you using your talents and skills? Are you teaching the next generation? Are you caring for others? Are you leading us to the throne of Christ through worship? How are you using your talents and gifts? Don't miss out on being used by God. Has the Lord put a ministry on your heart to join or to start or to lead. Maybe you're being called to ministry or to a leadership position or to the mission field. Don't miss out on being used by God. So let's close with this. My goal this morning is to not make you feel bad about yourself. All right. So if you feel bad about yourself, that's not my goal. My goal is not to make you feel good about yourself either. My goal is to make you look up. To look up. To take your eyes off of yourself and to look to God. Because sometimes we go to the doctor and we don't like what we hear. The doctor doesn't always give us good news. But if you didn't like what you saw this morning in your own kind of spiritual health, in your heart, and what God's speaking to you right now, I want you to... Not try harder, but I want you, what I want you to do is to take it to Jesus. Take it to Jesus. Take your results and say, Jesus, change my heart. Because Jesus is the only answer to our heart issues. And if you've never considered the truths of Christ, if you're sitting here in church for the first time and you're like, okay, who is Jesus? What am I supposed to do with him? All that kind of stuff. Please come find us. Anybody up that was up here on stage, come find me or one of our elders on their way out. We'd love to share with you about who Christ is and the heart that he can change within us. Because Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. Everything. He is worthy of everything. And so let's take it to him. Put your hope in him alone today even believers out there, put your hope in him completely this morning. And when you experience God's grace and mercy through Jesus and his heart change, God will use you in amazing ways and God has great plans for you. And God has great plans for us here at Blue Valley. And I pray like the people of Israel in verse 21, that our heart would be stirred and that our spirit would, would be moved to be used by God to bring the kingdom of God to earth so that everyone around us will come to know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. Let's pray.